will be our text. We'll be reading in just a few moments, verses 13 through 17. First Peter chapter 2, 13 through 17. I want to welcome every single one of you here. Man, it's a beautiful day that God has given to us. Lots going on at Big Woods. That was like a lot of announcements. I'm still struck with the thought that Aaron has a rocking chair. Why? Uh, I'm not totally surprised by that at some level, but I was 45 years old. I, I earned a rocking chair before I got my first one. You have two of them. Okay, we're, gonna, we're just going to, I'm not going to get off. I'm not going to get off on that right now. <clears throat> um, it is great to see you. Um, we have a lot to learn. Um, I have a lot to learn as we apply um, the word of the Lord to our lives through the work of the Spirit of God. Would you bow your heads? We're going to pray first and um, just commit our time to the Lord. <clears throat> Father, we... Um, we come before you and we recognize your authority over us at this moment, in every moment. Recognize, Lord, your creative, um, masterful hand, um, the power and might that you display that is without measure, uh, the love and the grace and the mercy that you pour out. Lord, we, we love you. I love you. I love this church um, and what you are doing in it. Lord, I love your word and I thank you, Lord, that you've given to us these few moments to bring um, your word together to our hearts. And may, Lord, your perfect will be accomplished in this time and may your spirit have full reign over us. Uh, please, Lord, use me as I um, desire to be used. Uh, may you equip me accordingly, um, give to me strength. Uh, and stamina and clarity uh, of mind and mouth. Father, our goal together is, is single, that we desire the name of Jesus to be exalted. Um, and we know that by doing that, you will be glorified. And, and Lord, please allow that to happen. Uh, speak to us um, and lead us and guide us. Um, I, I do think of the Schaefers, Craig and Shelly, and the kids watch over them. Thank you for their, their tenaciousness for the work of the gospel and help us to learn even from that example many miles away, but they are close in our thoughts and prayers. Um, bless them in amazing ways. Father, we lean into you now and, and take us and guide us we ask this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Uh, there's a question um, that I ask people often um, to get to know them a little bit. Um, and, and it's usually this, what, what is who I should say is your favorite Bible character? What's the person that has kind of climbed to the top of the mountain that you have identified with or learned from? Um, I, I have heard many names, but there's two names that I hear more than any other one. Uh, one is David. I think because just how vulnerable he is and the emotion that he displays very quickly um, connect and relate to that. But we also think like David's, David's like a king, like King David. So we have a hard time with some of that. And the name that I hear more than any other name, who, who is your favorite character, the favorite person in the Bible um, is the apostle Peter. I hear him 
in his name more than any other one. I think it's interesting because Peter, impetuous Peter, is, is someone that we very quickly identify with. Uh, Peter is the author of the words in our text today. Uh, and Peter, we have to understand, he was all talk initially. He, he, could, he could talk the talk, all right? I, I'll, I'll never leave you. I'll never deny you. And you ought not be doing this. You should be doing this. And, and then that was kind of like the old Peter and the Holy Spirit came and literally just changed in amazing ways this man. So that Peter became someone who didn't just like talk. He actually became someone who walked the talk. Um, and I think that it's very easy for us to, to, to grasp the person behind this text for us this morning. He, he writes very direct, and, and we talk about the fact that that, that if we're to walk the talk, we have to practice what is preached. It's not just there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff being said out there today. We, we don't want to hear that. It's almost like, Peter, Peter, just shut your mouth. Some of us, we need to learn to kind of like shut our mouth and live it. Walk the talk. Practice what is preached. Peter learned to do that, and then he teaches us how to do it as well. He talks about the fact that actions, it really is true. Speak louder than words. A couple weeks ago, we looked at the fact that, well, first of all, we have to abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. Keep your conduct honorable by doing good. There's an emphasis on our action here. And we know that there's a, a war between the flesh and the spirit, and the spirit gives us the ability to do that. But in all honesty, it boils down to this is just going to take some old-fashioned discipline, some hard discipline in order to do that. We also looked last week about what? The fact that we have to learn to be subject or to be in submission to or be in obedience to those that are in authority over us. It's repeated in chapter 2, verse 13, verse 18, chapter 3, verse 1. And just like, just like we don't like discipline, we just need plain old discipline in order to abstain, we need plain old submission. We have to learn obedience. But what happens now is that Peter kind of builds upon this idea of how we live authentic lives, how we walk the talk. There's an overarching kind of big picture to this from, from chapter 2, verse 15. This is the will of God that by doing good, you put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. You silence the critics, and there are many of them against Christ and against his church. So what Peter does is he lays it out very, very clear. He is what I call a straight shooter, and I love this. He's concise. He's blunt. He's direct. It may sound even harsh. It's a summary statement, what we want to focus on today. And I love summary statements. Just get to the point. Quit all the other talk. Just get to the point. That's what Peter does for us. When he gives to us in verse 17, we're going to focus our time. Four short commands, four simple instructions, four quick bursts from Peter's pen that literally instruct us how to live every single day of our lives in a way that our faith is made real. Here's our text. It should be up in front of you uh, so you can see it on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, make sure that you take one. It's our gift to you. Follow along as I read um, 1 Peter chapter 2. We pick it up in verse 13 just to set the context before we focus on verse 17. Here it is. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. 
For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Here it is. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Four, four commands, 10 words, four ideas that I want to give to you this morning from the word of God to teach us this is how we walk the talk. This is how our faith is made real. Number one, honor everyone. You can remember this, show respect for all people. When God's word says we are to honor everyone, it means to show respect for all people. To honor literally is defined as to highly esteem, to hold in, in respect, to show courteous regard for. The Greek word is tomeo. It means to show respect or give recognition, often implying action, action to show that honor. Isn't that interesting? Again, this whole text is about action, not words. It's about doing, not saying. It's about walk, not talk. It's emphasis on our character, our conduct, our conversation by way of our behavior. I don't know about you. I, I try to be as open and as transparent as possible. And I have to be honest to, to confess to you, it's a lot easier to honor everyone with words and it's not as easy to actually honor everyone with actions. What do you mean by that? Drive behind someone who's going really, really slow. Oh, I was literally, I was literally, I, I, I will preach my message out loud and I will, I will go over points when I'm walking or when I'm driving. I was literally working on this point as I was driving home from the office and some old guy is doing like 25 miles an hour and there's, there's a double line. I can't get by him and I'm thinking about this whole idea. I got to honor him and I was doing a horrible job about it. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit like convicts. What a jerk I was. Just back off. The guy's just enjoying the sunshine outside. Like, like I don't have to, I don't have to rush everywhere. It's these, it's these little things. You've had it happen. You've had it happen where, where you are walking. Um, you've got like 15 minutes for lunch. You're walking into a restaurant and, and, and you arrive at the door, the front door at the exact same time as someone else. And you know that the right thing is that you need to open the door. But you also see as you open the door that there's a line. And by opening the door, you're going to put one more guy in front of you in that line. And you're like, oh, it's honoring everyone, even in these little things. Because I think if we don't learn to honor everyone in the little things, you will never, ever, ever be able to honor everyone in the big things. Now note as well, that very, very carefully, this does not say honor only those people who are nice to you. We, we, we can do that, but that's not what it's saying. 
It is not saying honor uh, those people that are fair. Honor those people that are polite, that are pretty. Those ones that you want to, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say just honor people in your own family, honor people in your own church, honor those on your own team, those, those in your circle, honor those in your posse. No, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say honor those that you're in full agreement with. The word of God teaches us to honor all. Every single man, every single woman, every single child. Stop, it's just time out. Do you do that? Two people walking the door at the same time, you get there and you're in a rush and you let them go first? Someone's struggling, their, their, their hands are full, they're struggling, they drop something. Do, do you automatically forget about your schedule, forget about your to-do list? Do you automatically honor them by serving them in some way? It doesn't mean that you necessarily agree with every single person, every single life. It doesn't say that. It says you honor them. It means to treat everyone with respect. Why? Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says this that every single person has been created in the image of God. Every single person. Yeah, yeah but, they, but, but they, they believe things that are wrong. They believe things that are different. They're just a little too progressive in some areas. And they, they actually blaspheme the word of God. Why should, no, it says what? We're to honor everyone because everyone is created in the image of God. And you have been given an opportunity to show them the value that God has in creating them. I think that if if we really begin to learn to do church well, as, as we begin to have an increased impact in the community that God has called us to serve, we have got to get this down. Honor everyone, show respect for all people. But it doesn't end there. It says what? It says love the brotherhood. What does that mean? Number two, give special attention to the family of God. Or you're showing favoritism here. No, 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 no. We're being obedient to what the word of God has. It says this, give special attention to the family of God. Love the brotherhood. Now, obviously this is more personal because it's, specifically speaking about the behavior, the actions and the attitude that we're to have what? Towards one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Now what's interesting is that some of you are driving too slow ahead of others. Some of you actually irritate and bother other people that are seated in this very room. The things you say, the things that you do, you forgot your Tic Tacs this morning and somebody's like, man, whatever it is, we irritate one another. And it talks very specifically about the fact that we are to love. Now, it's a different word that's used here than honor. It actually is a step up. Honor everyone, but it says love. It's that word agapeo. It literally is defined as what? It's not a feeling. This whole thing, this whole world's idea of love, you fall in love, you fall out of love, has nothing to do with real love, not agapeo. Listen to this, agape is what? It's not a feeling, but rather a commitment to selfless action. There's that word again. 
It keeps surfacing. It's bubbling to the top. This is not just about words. This is about our, our behavior towards one another. Now, now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying, well, we're only to honor those in the church, our brothers and sisters in Christ, excuse me, love only those in the church, and we don't have to love anyone out there. I'm not saying that because that's not what God's word is saying. Galatians chapter five says the entire law is fulfilled in keeping one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So I'm not saying don't love people out there, but there's a special attention that is given to those that are your brothers and sisters in Christ. Yes, we're called to love those that are out there. First John chapter four, verse eight, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So we're to love every person, but we're to love in a unique way in a special way, attention that is given particularly to the needs of a brother or sister in Christ within the body. If you go to the model that is given to us in Acts of the first church, remember the apostles, they were, they were working, they were serving, but they were in a sense losing ground because there weren't enough people serving. So in Acts chapter six, it actually says that they appointed certain men to serve. Why? So that every single need was met within the body because widows were being neglected. Orphans were being cast to the side. So as, as a church, we have to make sure, and I believe that Bigwoods is working hard towards this. Visits are being made and, and, and meals are being cooked and, and attention is given. And we have to continue to work towards that. Hebrews says it like this, let brotherly love continue. Why is this important? Because if we can't figure out how to do this here, in here, we will never be able to figure out how to do it out there. This is, this is like school for us. We learn how to do life. We live life out there. And if we can't figure out how to love one another in here, even though we irritate one another, I'm fully aware of that. If we don't learn that in here, we'll never be able to learn it out there. So what I believe we have to do is make sure that we focus on oftentimes the horizontal relationship before the vertical, which means what? You ever have this idea that it just seems like, I don't know, like my prayers are just, they're just hitting the roof. Like it just doesn't seem that the Lord is revealing himself to me. And we hear terms like that. It's just dry. It's stagnant. Well, oftentimes our relationship, our vertical relationship with the heavenly father, what is, is suffering because we have allowed a horizontal relationship, brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe there's someone that has offended you and you've not gone to them and you need to. Maybe, maybe you have offended someone through your actions, through your words. Maybe, maybe what you need to do first and foremost is we talk about what loving the brother, loving our brothers and sisters in Christ is go to them and say, forgive me. Because when you did this, it bugged the heck out of me. It's bothering me. And I, I, don't, want, I don't want our horizontal relationship to suffer because if this relationship suffers here, if we can't get along with one another here, how, how are we going to expect there to be a healthy, holy relationship between us and God? So today, in the quietness of your own heart, pray. Pray that God reveal to you what it is that you need to do. If there's someone that says, man, I can't believe I've got to spend eternity with that person. 
I hope that his room is not real close to my room in the holy mansion that God is what? Preparing for us. No, no, no. We should look forward. I often refer to it as the beautiful, eclectic blend of the body. We are to what? We are to be examples of working towards promoting unity. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, both 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, easy to remember, speak about the, the, the different challenges of being one within the body. God was fully aware of that. What? We're all different. So the analogy is of the body. You have what? Eyes and ears and a nose and hands and feet. There's different parts and we struggle with that. But Romans, excuse me, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says this in verse 25, that there is to be no division in the body. There's to be no division. Someone has upset you, you have upset them, you go to them immediately. We're giving clear instruction on how we handle that. Not only are we to promote unity within the body, we're to practice mutual care within the body. In that same chapter, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says this, if one member suffers, if one of us suffers, all of the members suffer. It says if one member rejoices, what do we do? We all rejoice. Romans chapter 12 actually repeats that same idea. What, what? We rejoice with those who rejoice. We weep with those who weep. Do, do you truly do that? Do you work hard at that? When one rejoices because of their promotion and, and they are excited about it and you're like, I can't believe that they got another promotion and I'm still waiting for mine. I'm so happy that you guys have uh, another, another baby you've been blessed with. Why don't we have one? Anything all over the place. One suffers, we all suffer. One suffers a broken relationship. One suffers financial loss. One suffers the loss of a, a loved one. Then we are as a body, what? As we love the brotherhood, we give special attention. If we can't figure it out in here, we'll never figure it out out there. So this is quick, what? This is how we do it. This is how we're gonna, this is how we're gonna walk. This is how we're gonna put our, our, our words to action. This is how we're gonna practice what is preached but there's more here it says what number three fear god what does that mean it means to listen and obey the lord first fear god matthew henry says it like this he said fear god with the highest reverence duty and submission if this be wanting or if this be lacking none of the other three duties can be performed as they ought which means what? There's four commands for us. There's no doubt that one of them bubbles to the top as the most important, and it's number three. It's, it's fear God. Well, what do we mean by that? Um, um, every one of us end up at the gas station on occasion, correct? Like eventually. I know the guy's driving slow ahead of you, but eventually you get to the gas station. You have to go to the gas station. Why do we go to the gas station? Why do I find myself at the gas station? I just love the smell of gasoline. No, no. I, I, if I go to the gas station, I can wash my windows for free the whole time I'm there. That's why I go there. No, there's one reason we all go to the gas station. Why? Because there's this little needle in front of us on the dashboard and it seems to move left pretty quick. And then if it moves far enough, then there's a light that goes on. 
And that light says what? You better go to the gas station soon or what? Or you're not going anywhere. That's what that light says. Isn't that what the light say? You better stop there because if you don't stop there, you will be what? You will be stuck. In, 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 in exactly the same way, this fear of God is the fuel that gives us the ability to be responsible, what? People who are practicing what is preached. Now, now, what does it look like? There's no lack. We live in a world, there is no lack of information that's out there. There's no lack of instruction that is available to us in this world. But what I oftentimes find is that, that people are going to every other source. Let's, let's Google how to solve this problem. Let's see what Dr. Phil has to say about this relationship breakdown before we go to God. And that's wrong. The first thing that we are to always do, God's word is very clear. It is foundational. Proverbs chapter one, the very first chapter of wisdom literature, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs chapter 24, my son, here's this one thing I want you to get, son. I love you. My son, what? Fear the Lord. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, same author. Solomon says, fear God and keep his commandments. Isaiah chapter 59, fear the name of the Lord. Paul wrote to a broken down church in Corinth, and he talks about the need for bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse one. Isn't that a neat picture? Bringing holiness to completion. That's what we're striving to do. How? In the fear of God. You know, I, I think it's, it's pretty clear that learning how to live every single day, apart from really what I want, but rather what the Lord wants, it's all about his will for my life. It's about his purpose. It, it, it's about his accomplishments. It's about his glory. We live in light of what? The fear of God. Great book that was written by Albert Martin. It's referred to as the forgotten fear. He says this, and I quote, the fear of God is an important theme in the Bible. Yet many Christians today overlook it or treat it carelessly. Fearing God is the soul of godliness. And those who claim to love God should desire to understand what it means to fear him. And what he does is he actually, to, to summarize the entire book, he gives what are referred to as eight specific directives for maintaining and increasing the fear of God in our hearts. And, and I'll give you these. It's going to be hard to write down. I can make those available to you this week. But listen to this. Just practical steps on if this is the cornerstone, okay, to these four commands. How do we do this? He gives eight of them. Number one, be certain that you have an interest in the new covenant. What does that mean? The argument you ought to press before God should be that Jesus Christ has died as the mediator of the new covenant. Uh, Martin talks about the fact that you need to pray every day. Pray, Lord Jesus, on the basis of thy shed blood, I plead for an increase of thy fear. Give me as much of thy fear as the blood of the covenant warrants and is secured for me. The work of Jesus Christ has what has saturated us, has soaked us in his blood so we can live holy lives. 
Just as Jesus, the blood of Jesus has soaked us, we ought to pray, Lord, soak us with your fear. Increase your fear. He says another way is feed your mind on the scriptures in general. There's really no need to explain that. Every single morning, the first thing you do, every single evening, the last thing that you do, we live and die by the only thing that lives and endures forever, and that is what? The word of God. Number three, feed your soul with the reality of the forgiveness of God. Every single one of us ought to want to increase in our fear of God. How do we do that? We feed our soul with the reality of God's forgiveness. Of all of his glorious attributes have been fully engaged to grant me a just pardon and full acceptance. How can we help but fear him? Which is saying what? Knowing the wickedness in our own hearts. Knowing that we deserve eternal separation and damnation. And yet God granted us forgiveness, declares us righteous for the work that Jesus accomplished on the cross. How can we not fear him? He says, pause on that. Fourthly, he says, learn to feed your soul on the majestic greatness of God. Don't ever waste, don't ever waste a sunrise. Don't ever waste a sunset. Don't don't waste a starry sky in the evening. Pause, pull the car over when there's a formation of clouds and the sun is just, just bursting through it. Stop on the side of the road and draw your kid's attention and say, see that? That's focusing on the majestic greatness of God. Martin says, as we contemplate his majestic greatness, it is unthinkable that any rational creature would not fear such a God. Number five, he says, seek to cultivate an awareness of God's presence. You cannot fear a distant and a forgotten God. Many people in our world would say, yes, there, there is a God out there, but we can't know him. We can't be in personal relationship with him. That's what an agnostic would believe. No, no, no. The great, holy, majestic God allows us what? When we bow our heads, we approach him with Abba, Father. There's an intimacy and a closeness. You cannot fear a distant and forgotten God. Number six, seek to cultivate the consciousness of your obligations to God. Which means what? Our first prayer every single morning should be, Lord, help me this day to walk in thy fear. Do, do, you, do you begin your prayers like that? Or does it begin something like, give me the strength to just get through another day? God, just guard, guard my mouth. Help me not to punch anybody at the office today. All right? Is that, is that or, or does it begin with, God, please give me an increased fear of you? Number seven, I love this one, associate closely with those who walk in the fear of God, which means what? Look for others. I, I value and I have been blessed over the years by good and godly men who have modeled what it looks like to fear God. And I intentionally, forgive me, I just snuggle right up to them. I'm gonna sit here next to you. I'm gonna watch you. I'm gonna listen to you. I'm gonna learn from you. That's the body working together. 
Eighth and finally, what? Fervently pray for an increase of the fear of God. Please, I plead with you. I want to fear you more. We get an understanding. Don't listen to the instructions and information in this world ever before you listen and obey God first. Fourthly and finally, what? Honor the emperor. Simply means strive to be a model citizen. Number four, strive to be a model citizen. Honor the emperor. Some translations actually use the word king. Honor the king. What you notice there is that every, every time that, that, that uh, word king uh, is mentioned, it's a lowercase k. So this is not in reference to the king of kings and lord of lords. This is not saying honor God, honor Jesus. This is saying honor the one who has been placed over you by way of a social structure, our, 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 our government authorities, an emperor, a king, a prime minister, a president. We could what say honor the mayor that has been elected over us. Honor the governor, or the congressman, or the congresswoman. Honor the senator, a president. Yeah, but, but that person, but they, they believe differently. And like, like, like I didn't vote for them. No, no, it doesn't say that you have to agree with them. It says you have to honor them. And the greatest way, the best way that we can honor them. According to what we see in scripture, Paul writes this to young pastor Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 2. First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings, and for all who are in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and a quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior. Pray for them. Is the President of the United States on your prayer list? Is, is the congressman, congresswoman that represents us, Senator? Oftentimes, for some reason, what? Our prayers are God is good, God is great. Yay, God, and, and bless the Captain Crunch. And that's, that's it's, it's really about, as opposed to praying, showing honor by praying. There's no doubt that this whole list, in a sense, it's a really short list. And in the same way, it's a really long list. There's, there's 10 words here. And yet for some reason, it's really hard for us to do all four of these things. Understand that we will never be able to accomplish this unless we keep the gospel at the forefront. We have to understand what, why in the world would we honor other people unless we know first and foremost what? We have to keep a constant, consistent, acute awareness and understanding of the holiness of God. What, why would we bother to be kind and loving to one another unless, unless we didn't realize first and foremost that there is a holy creator God and that what we are desperately sinful and wicked men who fall short and women every single day. So we have to live with this concept that what, apart from the, the, the perfect plan, the full sufficiency of Christ to redeem us, through his incarnation, through his crucifixion and his resurrection, why would we bother to respect those in authority? Why would we bother to submit to those that we don't even agree with? Unless we live in light of the gospel, holy God, sinful men, the sufficiency of Christ's work on the cross, and what? It demands a response. It demands faith. 
We don't just talk about this. We live this. This, this is what we do. How, how amazing was Christ's example of this exact thing right here? If you spend any time in the Gospels and you follow the journey that Jesus Christ was on and what, did he show respect for all people? Did he honor everyone? You better believe it. The leper condemned unclean, don't touch him. He's an untouchable. Jesus went right up to him. He honored them. The crook, the publican, the tax collector, the prostitute, he honored them. Did, did, did Jesus give special attention to the family of God? Did he love the, the brotherhood? Um, yeah, I believe that he took off his, what, his, his um, robe around him and he washed the dirty, stinking, filthy feet of his own disciples, his brothers in Christ to serve them. And then he said, what, just as I'm doing, you better do it as well. He modeled this for us. Did, did Jesus fear his heavenly father? Did, did, he, did he listen to and obey first and foremost? He prayed out loud. It's not what I want, Lord. It's what you want. Your will be done. He modeled this for us. Did Jesus strive to be a model citizen in a corrupt system of government? You better believe it. He taught you give to Caesar, render to Caesar that which is Caesar's. He could have called down a legion of angels to demolish every single corrupt Roman soldier that was nailing him to the cross. And instead, what did he do? He prayed for them. He prayed for them. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Although he was unjustifiably crucified, he submitted to the authority and was obedient unto death even the death of the cross. So although we look at this list, it's a short list, but it's a really hard one. It's a short list, but it's, it's long for us. Know that the Holy Spirit gives to us every single ounce of energy and strength that is needed to be obedient. Trust in the example that Jesus has given to us to model how we do this. May we be encouraged that God has allowed us and given us very clear, specific instruction on how to practice what is preached, how to walk the talk. And may we do this and may we do this well for the glory of God. Lord, we love you. I thank you for your love for us. And I thank you for this reminder on how we are to live every single day. We plead with you to give us the strength and help that is needed for us to be obedient For your glory, we ask this in Christ's name, amen.